This is the Legal Hands to the Face podcast with Bill Calarulo. What's up, everybody? What's up? Welcome back to another Legal Hands to the Face podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Calarulo. And guys, we are almost there. I know it feels like an eternity until NFL football is back. But in a little over three months, training camp will begin. In fact, this week, a lot of NFL teams start OTAs. I want to talk about that later in the podcast, what that means, what the Philadelphia Eagles plans are. But before we get into it today, if you can, guys, leave us a review on the podcast. It really means a lot. It really helps us reach more Eagles fans. And if you're not already following us on social media, get over to your favorite social media channels. We're on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Give us a like, give us a follow. And if you're feeling up to it, give us a share. The more Eagles fans we can reach, the better. We do update the podcast weekly, but we're putting content every single day on social. And I put a video up last week that you have to see. We tried to have Merrill Reese, the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, on the podcast last week. Unfortunately, there was a little bit of a connection issue, but we were able to get a video that we posted to our social channels that is just awesome. I asked Merrill Reese, in the last 47 years, if you took Super Bowl 52 out of the equation, what would be his greatest memory? He didn't even have to think twice. In fact, he said it's easy. And he went down the miracle of the Meadowlands number two when Michael Vick and the Philadelphia Eagles made that phenomenal comeback, what ended with Deshaun Jackson's punt return. Still never gets old watching Tom Coughlin slam down his play chart, yelling at the punter with his red face. Unbelievable. But listening to Merrill Reese go through it again gives you goosebumps. So guys, it is worth the time. Head over to our social media, Legal Hands to the Face, and watch that video. You will not regret it. And guys, we talk about the Philadelphia Eagles organization a lot, and we're always evaluating decisions that they make on the field, personnel, wins, losses, but we got to take a step back and really appreciate the organization that the Philadelphia Eagles are. This past weekend, the Eagles Autism Foundation held their annual Eagles Autism Awareness Day, and they raised over $6.2 million for autism research and care. Think about that, $6.2 million. Jeffrey Lurie founded this organization in 2018, and since 2018, they have raised over $22 million for autism research and care. You got to take your hat off. We could debate decisions they make on the field, but you cannot deny that the Philadelphia Eagles organization is a class act, always giving back to their community, always trying to do things to better our world. Thank you, Jeffrey Lurie, and thank you to the Philadelphia Eagles organization, everyone who participated this weekend to raise money for autism awareness. Really an unbelievable job. But like I said, OTAs start this week, so let's get into it. Well, what are OTAs? I don't know why they don't just call it practice. It stands for organized team activity. When I grew up, that was called practice, but they call them organized team activity. And with the new collective bargaining agreement, it is completely different than it used to be back in the day. Everything now is about player safety, preserving your stars, and preserving the life of these players so they can play as long as possible. I agree with it. But the offseason program is broken down into three phases. Two of those phases have already been completed. Phase one, two weeks 
of meetings, strength and conditioning, and physical rehab. That is all that is permitted during phase one. Phase two allows for three weeks of individual group instruction, but there can't be any live contact and there cannot be any team drills. No seven on seven, no nine on seven, no 11 on 11. The Eagles have completed both of those phases, which then brings you to phase three, and that are OTAs, organized team activities. A team is permitted to have a total of 10 days of organized team activities. They are not allowed to go live, but they can do team drills. You can do seven on seven, nine on seven, and 11 on 11. If you are a new head coach, your rules are a little bit different. You can get away with a little bit more. And for rookies, they do things a little bit differently. In fact, the Eagles had their rookie mini camps May 5th and 6th. But if you look at what the Eagles are doing, it's not going to surprise you. From the time Nick Sirianni has gotten here, he has talked about shorter practices, less practices. Everything is about preserving the health of these players. And it worked last year, man. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles were the healthiest team in the league. To have all of their starters available for that Super Bowl is really unheard of. Let's hope that they can put things in place this year to keep our players healthy. And if you look at what they're doing for OTAs, they're permitted to have 10 total practices. Nick Sirianni's not taking all 10. The Eagles are only going to practice a total of six days, May 30th, June 1st and 2nd, June 5th and 6th, and then June 8th. So it's spaced out, and they're only utilizing six days. You look at a team like the Detroit Lions, whose head coach Dan Campbell is notorious for that old school mentality, work, work, grind, grind. They're going to take all 10 days. Not surprising. But you look at the Eagles and you look at the Lions, I would much rather have healthy players to start the season who play the entire season. It's a 17-game season now. And if your plan is to play deep into the playoffs, you could be playing a total of 20 games. That is a lot of games on the on the body, a lot of games for one of the most physical sports. I mean, you've heard it talked about before. Football is not a contact sport. It is a collision sport. And I played ice hockey growing up, very physical sport. But the purpose of every play isn't to hit the guy in front of you so hard that you knock him to the ground. That's the purpose of every single play in the NFL is the person with the ball should be brought to the ground. You think about that for a second, and you are always hitting the player in front of you. So to do things to keep these players safe, I am completely in agreement with. And I talked about how rules are a little bit different for the rookies than they are for everybody else. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles have now signed every single rookie that they drafted with the exception of fourth-rounder Keely Ringo. That shouldn't be difficult. I'm sure they'll get him under contract maybe even by the time you're listening to this podcast. But the big ones have all been signed. Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Sidney Brown, Tyler Steen. They are all under contract. Kudos to Howie Roseman. You put that behind these players. You don't need contract negotiations to be a distraction for your rookies. Now they can get acclimated to the pro game, get into those playbooks, and start really focusing on what matters, and that's hopefully contributing to this Eagles team this year. Guys, I put on my social media earlier last week a question about if you had the first overall pick in the draft and all four of these quarterbacks were available, who would you pick? And the quarterbacks were Philadelphia Eagles, famous QBs, Randall Cunningham, 
Donovan McNabb, Michael Vick, and our boy Jalen Hurts. There were so many different comments. I mean, the debate was running rampant as to who you would draft. And there were questions about, well, do they get the same coaching staff? Do they get the same personnel? So it kind of had me thinking. I wanted to take a look at where we are in Jalen Hurts' career and compare it to the careers of Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham, and Donovan McNabb. So Jalen Hurts has been a starter for two full years. I'm going to look at the stats of two full years of each player. I know it's a different time now. I know the rules are more in favor of offenses. But if you hear some of these stats, it's going to blow your mind. And little teaser, wait till we get to Randall Cunningham. So you look at Jalen Hurts. In two full years as a starter, he's got 38 passing touchdowns, 15 interceptions, over 6,800 yards in the air. You add in another 1,500 yards on the ground and 23 touchdowns on the ground. In two years, he's accounted for over 8,300 yards and 61 touchdowns. Incredible. You then go to Michael Vick. Michael Vick got hurt in his second year. So we're going to take a look at two. It's really his second and his fourth year because he got hurt in his second year. But in two full years as a starter, he had 30 touchdowns in the air, over 5,200 yards receiving, another 1,600 yards on the ground with another 11 touchdowns. So he had 6,900 yards total and 41 touchdowns. Surprising, isn't it? I mean, Jalen Hurts has 8,300 yards and 61 TDs. Michael Vick, after two years as a starter, only 6,900. Really, really interesting. And Hurts didn't play in two games last year. So very interesting. But man, you can't deny Michael Vick's talent. You know, that'd be a tough one. Hurts or Vick. There was a lot of back and forth on social. But let's get into Donovan McNabb. McNabb was, you know, famously, he got booed on draft day. I'm so sick of hearing that. Now, that was only 30 guys that Angelo Cataldi put together. We loved McNabb when, when he was here. He contributed a lot to this team. But you look at his two full years as a starter, pretty impressive stuff as well. He had 46 passing touchdowns, over 6,500 yards through the air. He had another 1,100 yards on the ground. I mean, you may not remember that, but in McNabb's younger years, early in his career, he ran the ball a lot, 1,100 yards in two years and eight touchdowns. You look at his numbers. He blows Michael Vick's numbers away as well with 7,700 yards and 54 touchdowns. Still less than what Jalen Hurts did, though. Jalen Hurts is at 8,300 with 61 touchdowns. But then we get to Randall Cunningham. And, man, I was a little bit too young to really appreciate this guy. I remember my grandfather watching him on TV. I'd be sitting there watching it with him and being like, man, that guy's good. But I was seven years old, eight years old. You know, I really couldn't appreciate it, but I wish I could go back and watch him. I remember him more in a Minnesota Vikings uniform, unfortunately. But let's look at Cunningham. Now, Cunningham didn't really play as a starter in his first couple years, so this may not be fair to compare him to Hertz because this is Cunningham's fourth year in 88 and 89. But in his first two full years as a starter, Randall Cunningham, in a league that was not set up for offense the way it is now, had 45 throwing touchdowns, over 7,200 passing yards, and then add on another 1,200 yards on the ground and 10 touchdowns. In two years, Randall Cunningham had over 8,400 yards and 55 touchdowns. Just a little bit more yardage than J Jalen Hurts has, 
and a few less touchdowns. But like I said, could you imagine Randall Cunningham in today's NFL with the rules the way they are? I think he'd be unbelievable. And when I first posed this question, I'm thinking I'm going Hertz or Vic all day. But when you really look at these statistics, I think the answer may have to be Randall Cunningham. If you had your choice of all four of those quarterbacks and all things equal, same coaching staff, same personnel, what quarterback are you going with? Now, the one thing you can't deny is Jalen Hurts' leadership. We've seen it firsthand. I don't know if any of these guys compare to him. I mean, I know I don't think McNabb, I was a fan of his. I don't think he's anywhere near the leader Jalen Hurts was. Michael Vick, it's hard to separate the off-the-field issues. If they did not happen, you know what type of career would he have had? But you just look at pure talent. I think Randall Cunningham has to be the guy that you would go with if you had the first overall pick. But really, an awesome, awesome debate. Check out Instagram. We, we had some really interesting comments about who to go with, and it was pretty equal. It was pretty equal. And then this got me thinking, too. You know, We're talking about quarterbacks. I wanted to pose another question for everybody. Right now, who has the best wide receiver duo in the NFL? On the Eagles calendar this year, they're going to play the Miami Dolphins. And man, do the Miami Dolphins have a good duo. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. That may be the best duo in the NFL, but I broke this down. I think there are three wide receiver duos that are in the category that it's debatable who's the best. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith for the Philadelphia Eagles, no doubt. A.J. Brown had 88 catches last year, a little under 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. Devontae Smith, 95 catches, a little under 1,200 yards, 7 touchdowns. A.J. Brown sets the yardage record, breaks Mike Quick's record. Devontae Smith sets the single-season receiver record for most catches. But are they better than the Dolphins? And the Bengals. So I talked about the Dolphins. They have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Tyreek Hill last year, 119 catches, 1,700 yards, and seven touchdowns. And then Jalen Waddell, 75 catches, 1,350 yards, and eight touchdowns. But then you switch over to the Cincinnati Bengals. And Jamar Chase, he only played in 12 games last year, 12 games, and he had 87 catches, over 1,000 yards, and nine touchdowns. And then you give T. Higgins on the other side, who had 74 catches, over 1,000 yards, and seven touchdowns. I mean, you really can't go wrong with any of these duos, but who are you guys taking? Who are you taking? You going with A.J. and Devontae? Are you taking Jamar Chase and T. Higgins? Are you going with the Cheetah, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddell? You really can't go wrong with any of them, but this is a debate. I'm curious. If you guys are following along on social media to this, leave some comments below. Who are you taking? So, guys, this has been a really interesting journey you know, for us on this podcast. You know, we, we started to do it a couple years ago. We got away from it for a while. You know, as some of you guys may know, I'm an attorney in real life. I'm a trial attorney. But this is my dream. You know, sports radio, talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, it's something I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. And the support, we really, really started to focus on this right around the Super Bowl. And the support from all of you has been phenomenal. I can't thank you enough for following along, listening, and, and doing everything you guys do to support this podcast and our social media channels. 
Keep it going because, guys, we're going to keep coming every single week. We're going to keep the social media in the content coming every single day. And I appreciate the support. And as always, go Birds.